0: In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Looking out on all of the baptismal candidates, I am reminded of the very first Easter vigil that I ever went to. It also happened to be the very first Easter vigil that I preached. I served as a second-year seminarian in uh, at Christ Church in Rockville, Maryland, which is just outside of the DC Beltway, so a very large church. I had been well-prepped, I thought, on what was going to happen at this service, and I kind of thought, well, I'm a seminarian. I'm probably just preaching. I can, I can do this. And so I was a little surprised when ten minutes before the service, the acolyte director came to me and said, the rector would like for you to carry the Paschal candle in singing the light of Christ. Well, you all gathered here, every single one of you, whether you've ever been in an Episcopal church or or you have not, know more about what that instruction was than I did at the time, because remember, first Easter vigil, Ever. and so I got a very quick lesson on it's you sing the light of Christ this is the tune then you go up a step and you know by the way oh, you're lighting people's candles as you walk with this huge thing anyway that was a little bit terrifying I have to say but no one mentioned in those instructions that I would actually be following the thoroughfer who would be billowing incense into my face. Because had they mentioned that, I would have said, not a great idea for an asthmatic who didn't think she would need her inhaler in her vestment pocket tonight. That entrance happened just about as you might imagine it did. Even my five-year-old daughter on the way home said with a chuckle, Mama, you did not know that candle song. (laughs) No, I did not, dear. But that, my friends, was just the beginning of my struggles amidst the 350 people gathered there, which I thought pretty much to witness my mortification, but I'm sure they were there to witness God, I mean, to witness the resurrection. Now, rest assured, As a seminarian, I had worked and worked on that sermon because I had, of course, learned that the Easter Vigil is the most theologically significant liturgy that we have at any time during the year. Plus, there were 10 baptismal candidates, and I wanted to preach it, right? I wanted to bring it home. So I took to the pulpit, praying mightily for redemption. Immediately, though, my hopes were dashed. I felt like I was in a very dark room, groping on the wall for a light switch. I couldn't find my timing because, I might mention those baptismal candidates, every single one of them was an infant. An infant. Now, at this hour of the night, we would expect our infants to be well asleep and that might be the case had we not just thrown on all the lights and played the organ to the fullness of its glory in which we broke up those beautiful sleeping babies no offense organist by any means whatsoever but within my line of sight there were rows upon rows that stretched halfway back the nave all with families trying to keep their distressed infant from disturbing the sermon and so each row became like an assembly line of diapers and pacifiers and, and little snacks, and, and even the babies themselves were being passed up and down. I wasn't as, as, as experienced as I am now. Well, you know, we'd get on with those things. Then I was like, oh my goodness. I preached that well crafted text, but honest to goodness, even I couldn't understand what it meant because it felt so disjointed. I felt my delivery was abysmal. As I drove home that night after my young critic in the back seat fell asleep in her car seat, I was relentless on myself. I confessed to God with tears how sorry I was that I had failed. I was beside myself to have been given such an important sermon to preach and to have blown it so thoroughly. The next morning, Easter day, I was at coffee hour and a young woman in her late 20s came up to me and she said, Your sermon last night, and I was in, within a hair's breadth of saying, I know, it was wretched, when she broke her pause and said, Changed my life. I've been really suffering. And your words healed something very broken in me. That was the night when I learned that God works through us. Even on our worst days, God prevails. And that, my friends, is the story of the Easter Vigil. This is the night of great paradox. This is the night when the paradox of God's people walking through water on dry land heralds for us that the waters of oppression and slavery will be parted, and God's people will be liberated. This is the night when we remember we are people of liberation and freedom, and our light, the light of Christ, burns within each and every one of our hearts, and it is plenty bright enough to conquer any darkness of hate in this world. This is the night, the night that we walk through the valley of death. We despair over the bones of God's people scattered far into the desert of faithlessness and hear the paradoxical rattling of those bones reordering themselves, becoming in flesh filled with the breath of God. This is the night when we inhale deeply of God's breath, knowing that every dead place within and between God's people will be is revived in God. This is the night, the night that is all about light. This is the night when we tell the story that the greatest darkness of betrayal, abandonment, despair, fear, violence, and truly even death cannot vanquish the light of Christ. You could give me an Alleluia right there. You got it. For to God, as Psalm 139 says, the night and the day are both alike to God. This is the night when we hold in mind the paradox that a single flame can be enough to remind us that when the world was at its darkness, God breathed eternal life into it. This is the night, the paradoxical night when at the very mouth of the tomb, we proclaim, rejoice. The night when we stare at death and see life and thus prepare ourselves for a holy death and eternal life. This is the night when we keep children, and adults for that matter, up into the middle of the night, then pour water over their heads, paradoxically, as an act of love. In the darkest night, we might whisper to these young souls. The dawn from on high always comes. Never lose hope. There is always light to guide you. This is the night when we come from our days of vigil to join the women at the tomb, prepared to honor the dead, only to be charged with proclaiming the risen Christ. But the greatest paradox of the whole night is that this is the night. Not this was the night, but this is the night. Here, not as a story remembered, but as a truth lived, God is moving among us, breathing, new life, into this church, into the world, my friends, into the weariest parts of our souls. We are alive in Christ Jesus. And even in our darkest hours, even staring into the tomb like darkness this world can bring to our souls, even on our worst days, God never abandons us. We are constantly throughout our lives dying to self and being reborn in Christ. This is the night. Rejoice, my friends, and proclaim with the very breath of God. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. And we love threes. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. Thanks be to God.